the chorus of that song, I think, speaks to Father's Day, and it speaks to who we've got to be as dads and who we've got to be calling ourselves to, that no matter what has gone on in our past, no matter how a, maybe a father has treated us or what we've had to deal with, that we hold ourselves to a higher standard and say, you know what, That's, I'm going to be different. I'm going to lead different. I'm going to love different. And I'm going to be that kind of man. When I think about that song and I think about the chorus of that song, that really is kind of like, it hit me so deeply in my heart because it's basically the mission statement of my life. That I would do the same for my wife and do the same for my six-year-old girl. And maybe the new one that's on the way. one that's pregnant because I'm all weepy. Oh, what is going on? I, I'll tell you right now, I am exhausted. <laughs> I, just, I am exhausted. Uh, but uh, so when your wife gets pregnant, she tosses and turns a lot in the bed. And if you look on the Fitbit app, like when you're restless, like what is going on? Oh, yeah. You got her in here. Uh, but that's, uh, that's what's going on. So um, as we deal uh, with Father's Day today, I want to frame all of that in that idea of God is the great father. And when we use the word father God, I want, to, I want us to maybe we can reclaim this, this, this song to go, that's what is meant. Because so often we channel these, these bad images of what fatherhood is because maybe what has happened to us or what has been done to us in the past or just the weird relationship we had with our dad. But when we think about it this way and go, you know what, that changes with me. That is different now because of the way in which God the Father can love me. The way God the Father finds the brokenness of our lives, the broken stuff laying on the ground, and says, you know what, I can take these pieces and I can make something beautiful out of them. And that's what he does over and over and over again and what he longs to do for you. And as men, the challenge for us this Father's Day is to be that kind of dad. That you know what, even if it's not even our daughter, to say, you know what, I can help them. I can be with them. I see something in her. I can be a safe place. I can be that kind of guy for her. We've talked about how there's a lot of single moms sometimes in our, in our church and, and through the life. It's, you, know, you know what, dads, we've got a, other dads, when we do these, these baby dedications and these child dedications in our church, when we raise our hands and say, I'll be here for you, it means, you know what, I'll, ha- I'll help you with the awkward conversations. We'll go do stupid things together. I'll go teach you how to you know, catch yourself when you're fishing. And I'll go do these things with you because we're on your team. And that's what it means to be a father. So today we're going to talk a lot about fatherhood, but I think a lot of it has to do with the Christian life as well. And so if you're not a dad or you're um, you just here this morning, it's totally fine. Uh, I hope you can glean a lot out of this message as well. Before we get all the way into that, I want to tell you, it is family worship day, so all the uh, kids are in here. There are crayons and some coloring pages in the back. If you go, uh, we need something right now, uh, that's totally okay, and no judgment will be passed. If you get really uh, go- going 
um, nuts today. There's a wiggle room back there, so maybe I just need to take myself back there sometimes. It is what it is. Um, it is the only done room back in the back, so it's easy to find today. Um, but if you need that, it is there uh, for you this morning. We are talking about and continuing our series, Life at the Lake. Jesus does so many, basically half of his ministry or a little bit more than that, of his miracles and his teachings at the lake, at this place called the Sea of Galilee. And it's this beautiful setting in the north part of Israel. And Jesus is there teaching. And in his teaching up at the lake, he is imparting the wisdom and he's training these disciples and he's showing them how they can become the men who are going to change the face of the planet. And so it's incredibly important for us to examine what Jesus is doing here and go, okay, this has got to be important because this is the training ground for the disciples. How do we glean how we're supposed to live our lives from that? And this is what the series Life at the Lake is all about, looking at different instances and miracles and teachings that happen at the Sea of Galilee and applying them to our lives. The summer has just started, and maybe you've heard this sentence already. I'm so... I was going to say grateful. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are doing. I'm so bored, right? And you're like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You've got 18,000 things to do here. And the, I mean, it hasn't, it's rained one day this summer, so you should be okay to go outside. What is your problem? I'm so bored. And I have a challenge. I've been, as I was thinking through this message and thinking through it and kind of thinking through my own parenting, now that the kids are kind of full out of, you know, these two are out of uh, full pet rock phase. You know, the pet rock phase is when they just kind of sit there and you're like, well, that's cool. You know, Christina's got full on pet rock phase right now. Uh, you know, the, the baby's like eight weeks old, 10 weeks old or something like that. It's pet rock phase. It sits there, it cries and does a few other things, but that's it. Can't even roll around, can't crawl, pet rock phase. So that's what I call it. But you kind of have stages of that until basically kindergarten. And now they're full on people with personalities and they can do things. And we've been discovering that, you know, if they put their mind to it, they can actually clean something. So it's very exciting. You know, they can, they can um, actually take care of the messes that they make some days. And there, there is the, this issues. And so as we examine who they are as just little kids and go, okay, it's time for a different kind of parenting. Before it was kind of just survival. But now it's how do we go from a next level now, how do I get to develop their personality? How do I get to step into that? How do I get to be a part of that life? And really, as dads, I feel we should have a moniker. We have a title, Chief Adventure Officer. Because there comes a time where you're just like, okay, we are changing diapers. We're dealing with this. We're do, doing this. Okay, don't touch that. Don't burn yourself, whatever. But then there comes that moment where like, oh, now we can get into trouble. Right? And that's what we're, in our family, we're just starting to step into the trouble phase, which is great. Like, the don't tell your mom, we just did this thing, right? <laughs> the best stories always start with, don't tell your mom, right? So I've been thinking a lot about this, and just a couple uh, weeks ago, I went out, I was like, what, what can we do? What can we do that's a little, you know, pretty safe, but also got that element of, this really shouldn't be happening right now. So we went and bought a real-life bow and arrow, like a real-life shoot-your-eye-out your bow and arrow, Okay. Um, not, the, not the ones with the suction cups on the end, but the real, the, the, the hard point metal uh, tip things. And so we're teaching them how to, or I'm teaching them how to shoot bow and arrow a little bit. 
Uh, grandma's having a little heart attack going on right here, but that's okay. She didn't even know. Uh, but, uh, and so, so we're, we're just doing that because I was thinking about it, and this is something silly, but really starting to capture these, these little moments of how do we go on an adventure in the everyday? How do we go on an adventure just in a little moment where we can, we can share this moment? We can shoot that bow and arrow. We can chase that frog. We can, we can try to get Sophie to catch a rabbit. We can do these other things that, you know, might not be socially acceptable, but we're going to have a little fun with it. Bowen and I uh, just a couple uh, weeks ago went on a serious adventure uh, where we got the boat stuck. Uh, we, it's totally me, but we got, we got the boat stuck in, in, in weeds so bad I had to pull it up. And I'm like, well, I'm literally getting the, 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 the those are called oars, uh, the oars out because it was too shallow. All the, the motors had to be in. We're scraping bottom of this, uh, at this spot. The wind's pushing us, wind's pushing us. So Bowen and I are sitting in there uh, in, the, in the boat. And all of a sudden we see like Shamu just <laughs> roll in the water about 15 feet from us and we didn't see its head didn't see its tail we just saw the side you know it's, shamu is living in a freshwater lake in uh, in northern indiana and so both of us look at each other don't care about the oars don't care about that we're going to ground ourselves don't care that we're on the completely other side of the lake and it's going to take forever to get home we grab our fishing poles and we start fishing for shamu <laughs> We got the wrong lures on. It doesn't matter. Like, it's probably a muskie or a pike, but uh, we're, we're throwing. We, we don't have, you know, I think we got like a night crawler on a little worm. We're just, we're, please just catch the back fin, whatever, trying to catch, you know, Shamu. And uh, finally, we're on, it's this really fun adventure that we go on. And then uh, the boat actually kind of dislodged itself for us while we were frantically trying to catch Shamu. But it's this little, like, this fun, fun adventure. Like, when I said, the, the started to do it, his face lit up, right? His face lit up. Now, this could have been a really, really bad situation where um, dad was trying not to say mean words and, th- you know, throwing a temper tantrum in the boat because he got it stuck, feeling like an idiot. It turned into an adventure. How do we as dads, how do we as people, how do we as parents turn the the stuck portions of life, whatever they may be, into an adventure instead of an obligation? How do we we switch these stuck times into these these quagmire spots, these these mud-stuck times into an adventure instead of obligation or instead of a chore? And as we look at our children, we have to switch our mindsets from how do we go from just muddling through these years with them to how do we go on adventure with them? And that applies not just to, to children, but how do we go through this job? How do we go through this time period? How do we go through this school year? How do we go through whatever we're at in life from, it, there's a couple of you in here right now that are getting ready to retire, like next year. I'm surprised I didn't get some amens out of that. But I got, I, got, I got people that are getting ready to retire, and they're just trying to get to the finish line. How do we make that an adventure? Because there's still lives to be touched. There's still people that we can talk to. There's still uh, moments that we can grasp, even though the clock's ticking down, to go on an adventure instead of just muddle through the chores. Christians are invited to leave mediocrity behind and expected to participate in the story of God. Christians are invited to leave mediocrity behind and are expected to participate 
in the story of God. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have an adventuresome kind of life, have a life that's exciting, have a life that's full of joy and love. Maybe when you think of Christianity, you think of the Christian life, you don't think of adventure, you don't think of exciting. And I want to hopefully help you reframe that this morning. Because I don't want to be stuck in like, well, I became a Christian, I guess can't do any of the fun things in life anymore. I really think that life is just beginning when we give our lives to Christ. When we say, all right, God, you're in charge of my life, and let's see what happens. Because in the scripture, whenever someone says, you can read, if you read from Genesis to Revelation, you read when someone says, all right, God, I'm going to submit my life to you, adventures start happening. Walls come down. Things, I mean, just crazy fun things start happening. When people submit their lives to God and say, all right, God, I want to be part of your adventure. One such instance is found in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 is a pretty fun chapter. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples go into the boat and go on ahead of them on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Jesus had been teaching a huge crowd of people, and uh, he's tired, and he's out on a boat. He does this often. He gets in a boat and goes a little bit offshore. So, and actually, it works out if you've ever been on a boat uh, near a lake shore, the acoustics of the water. And um, there at, at the Sea of Galilee, there's these natural amphitheaters uh, in the, the hillside. So it's just naturally, he, he came. God created his own PA system when he was creating the tectonic plates of Sea of Galilee. It really... I, I should have had a picture pulled up for you this week, but there's really these natural amphitheaters, kind of like you would find in a park somewhere or whatnot. Um, and so what he's doing is finding this, the sound amplification off the water, and it's boom, um, and it's working for him. So he's tired. He's done. He needs some alone time. Maybe Jesus is an introvert, and he's been giving of himself. He's just, i got to recharge because these stinking teenagers in this boat smell bad, and I don't want to be around him right now. Um, I mean, he's human and divine at the same time, so this is what's going on. <clears throat> he gets into the boat, goes up, it says, hey, go ahead and get away from me. Now, nobody thinks, well, where, where, where are you going to be? <laughs> right? How are you going to get to me? He says, go ahead and go on around me. Maybe he's going to walk. They have no idea what's going on. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So it just keeps on blowing out, blowing out. Shortly before dawn, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. That would be kind of spooky, right? I ain't afraid of no ghost, but it's okay. But Jesus immediately, you guys don't think that when you read the scripture? Like, I just, these <laughs> different things are playing in my head all the time. Um, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You a little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son 
of God. There's lots of things you can take from this story. There's lots of things. Peter gets to go walking on water. And this is amazing to me, the the idea that he steps out of the boat, a perfectly good boat that is not sinking, and he gets out of it. Now think about this. This is a little more context. If I jumped out of a boat and I started swimming, no one's worrying about me. Okay? But here's the deal. People in the ancient world, vast majority of them have no idea how to swim. So think about a storm whipping up on Lake Michigan. You're out in the middle of the lake, and you're like, oh, let's jump out of the boat. There's this huge trust factor. There's no life preserver. There's nobody going to hit you in the head with one of those little round thingies. There's no lifeguard on duty. There, there's not, he doesn't know how to, probably doesn't even know how to swim, even though he's a fisherman, probably never learned. That's just how the ancient world was. But he trusts God enough to say, you know what? I'm going to go on this adventure. Let's go walk it on water. Isn't that crazy? The, the problem... <laughs> The problem is when he starts looking at the waves, the wind is blowing up these waves, and where in which the Sea of Galilee is, is there's a mountain range on one side, and so when that wind comes down off the mountains, it's, it pulls up a storm really fast off the Mediterranean and, come, and, and changes just a lot when it comes off that mountain range and whips up storms really quickly on the Sea of Galilee. And so when this happens, the, the, all the fishermen are like, this is going to be a bad really, really quickly. And so he's looking around, the waves are getting bigger, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and starts worrying about the stuff around him. And when that happens, what happens in the scripture? He starts to sink. Now, some of us, we have responsibilities, we have things in life, and we get really scared, and we don't know how we're going to get through it, we don't know how we're going to go beyond this, this moment in life, and we start worrying about the waves We take our eyes off Jesus, and it feels like we are sinking. It happens to us all the time. Peace is only elusive when we concentrate on the waves. Peace is only elusive when we concentrate on the waves. When we start thinking about the problems in the marriage, when we start thinking about the behavior of the kids, when we start thinking about how much we hate our jobs and take our eyes off of Jesus is when we start to sink down. We can't rise above it because we're getting stuck in all of these waves. Peace is only elusive when we start concentrating on the waves. Second point for you today is this. Jesus sees the opportunity in waves. He sees this moment, and he goes, you know what? I wonder what's going to happen. I don't know if, if, if Jesus had it all planned out that Peter was going to jump out. I don't know if Jesus was hoping that all 12 of them would jump out of the boat. That would have been interesting. The way still going. The boat just flies on, and you know, all of them are like running around playing hockey on the, on the waves. I don't know. Um, a new extreme sport is made right there. Um, I don't know what Jesus had planned for that. But it almost sounds in the scripture, he's like, Peter's like, hey, if it's really you, have me come out there. Okay, Peter, whatever. You know, if, is Jesus flabbergasted at this moment? Come on. And Jesus, Peter's like, all right. And he jumps out there. We all know that guy, right? Peter, Peter jumps out and he starts walking on water, something that no one else has ever done. 
As much as I've tried, you can buy special shoes now that will let you run. You can run as fast as you can, and you'll go out about 40 feet, and as soon as you start to slow down, you'll sink, which would be really cool, but it would require running, so I don't know if... <laughs> you, you had me on walking on water, you lost me on the running part, okay? Jesus sees opportunities in the waves. He sees an opportunity to elevate Peter. He sees an opportunity. Think about it. Peter has a story to tell around the campfire that no one can beat. You know, in the game of one-upmanship, you know, when you're like, oh, well, one time this happened. It was pretty cool. I got to be part of feeding 5,000 people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did that. One time I walked on water, so. Mike dropped. All right. (laughs) Just going to walk away. But then little John, I could see, you know, John, the youngest, going, yeah, 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 but you denied him three times too, jerk. And, you know, (laughs) then Peter punches him in the face, and it's just, you guys don't read the Bible like that either? Okay. um, Man. This is how I study the same book of the Bible, a book all the time, as I have these voices in my head. Um, (laughs) We'll talk about that later. Um, Jesus sees opportunity in the waves. And if you're a dad, you're a parent, you're a teacher, you, you, you get to do the same thing. You get to see, you, you set up, you've taught them a lesson, you've taught them how to do it, and then you go, all right, how are they going to handle this situation? How are they going to, when faced with this issue, when faced with this problem, how are they going to deal with it? Bowen and I do this sometimes out in my workshop, like, we'll break something. By we, I mean them. But we, we break something and go, all right, instead of me just fixing it or gluing it back together or just throwing it in the trash, like, how would you fix this? Right? And then we get to come up with creative solutions, and some of them are very creative. Some of them are pretty close to how you actually would fix something. Others were not going to work at all. But that's okay, because it's this moment like, no, how are you going to deal with this issue? And those leadership lessons, those types of things come up all the time, whether we're teachers, whether we're training somebody at work, wherever we're at. But how do we elevate the people around us through the waves, through the different circumstances? God sees possibility. He sees opportunity. He sees opportunity to take an everyday occurrence of him. Well, not an everyday occurrence, but this miraculous occurrence of him and elevating not just a selfish bringing attention to his miraculous power, but inviting someone else to be a part of it. And that's what he does all the time. And as dads, we get to do it too. Not just like, oh, this is what I get to do, but let's invite our kids along with it as well. Something else about this that really stands out to me is even through Peter's failure, God is proclaimed. Even through the failure and this takes some of the stress off for me. I can fail colossally. But if my eye, you know, I can fail. But God can still get glory out of it. What happens? Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. He starts to sink. He says, Jesus, help! Right? I'm paraphrasing. But that's what happens. He grabs him and pulls him up. And what happens after that? All the disciples just start to worship him. Right? It didn't hurt Jesus that he's, oh, man, all of you guys didn't walk on water. Oh, you failed, Peter. Yeah, you little faith, but... I mean, come on. He's the only one that actually got to walk on water, so it's, it's not the biggest reprimand that's in Scripture. Even through failure, Jesus gets the glory. And that's why I think we have to, when we deal with how living an adventurous kind of life, we have to focus on, not focus on why we can't, 
but focus on why we must. This is always written in my office uh, on a whiteboard. It's, it's never been erased. Don't focus on why we can't, but why we must. There's lots of reasons. I can, I can sit in a meeting. You guys have ever probably, if you ever sat in a business meeting, ever sat in a room and like the whole thing's talked about why we can't do this neat idea. Well, sorry, can't's not really going to happen. You can poo-poo it all you want, but we must, you know, make our goal. We must do this. And dealing with being parents, there's lots of reasons we, I can't do that because I'm scared of spiders. You know, I can't go, I can't do, whatever. We can give all kinds of lists of why we can't do things, but we must be good parents. We must be active followers of Christ. We must Show our kids they can live an adventurous life as a Christian. Don't focus on why we can't, but why we must. I want to give you a couple of ways in which you can maybe live a little bit more adventurously as a Christian. You're probably wondering, how does those things even work? I think if you're around here this, day, this week, you got to have an adventure at church. Serving inside this church is a way in which you can show your kids how to have an adventure. If you're working back in the kids' wing, it is an adventure every week. I love walking back there and seeing Vince, my mom, and, uh, and Josh all in the same room together. And if you get those three highly competitive people, there is a huge competition. The kids are just pawns. It's a chess match between the three volunteers. It's like, who can win the game of this week? It's, my mom's cheating because she doesn't tell Vince and Josh that it's actually a competition. But she's a little hyper-competitive. But that's, that's another issue um, we're dealing with. But it's an adventure going on. Now kids are getting to see adults incredibly engaged in, in, in being Christ followers. You see how that, wow, my, my dad's laughing and having a good time at church? Whoa, didn't know that was possible. If you came this week and you got to play, I make it a policy if there's a teenager who comes and works um, in a service project at the church, they get to use a power tool. Right? So we're going we're gonna to get some, you know, Troy got to play with power tools this week because he was here all the time. You got to be able to say, hey, kid, here's a power tool. Here's a chop saw. Here's something. Don't cut your fingers off and don't tell your mom. It's okay. All right. But there's a couple of rules. Don't tell your mom. Don't cut your fingers off. It's, it's good. But we got to, we have to initiate this. It can be an adventure being here. Second thing we, we can do is this. With your kids, this is a challenge and this will stretch you. Invite somebody to church with your kids present. Go to Target with your son, with your daughter. This is moms, dads, whoever, grandmas, and invite them to church because it's an adventure to go up to somebody maybe you don't know and strike up a conversation. That's big enough. I know we live in Chicago land, all right? You talk to people that you don't know. Ah! Uh, this is not a big ask in, in Georgia for some reason, but it's, it's a big one here because that's just, it's a different personalities. That's okay. But an adventure of saying, hey, where do you go to church? What's going on? It's really easy if you're, if you're shopping for a remodel project because you're covered in paint. And they're like, what are you working on? Well, I'm remodeling my church. It's great. You should come on Sunday morning. It just kind of flows, right? So now you get to be messy in public and invite people to church. It's great. But invite with your kid present because now you're teaching them how this can happen. You're, you're, you're initiating an adventure and a habit for them that they can have for the rest of their life. Don't focus on the why we can't. I'm too busy. I'm not wearing the right clothes. I don't have a business card. I, da, 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 da. No, why we must. 
A third adventure you can have is serve outside the church. There's all kinds of organizations you can serve outside. Uh, Feed My Starving Children is an amazing thing to take kids to. They get to pack boxes and throw things at each other and have competitions. They got to be how old? You got to be over five to do that. But uh, you can talk to Kelly or Kevin about um, about that. That's a fabulous, fabulous thing to be a part of. There's all kinds of organizations around that you can go and serve and volunteer at. But do it as a family to show them that. Christianity is not just we come to church, we sit down, we boom. But it's something we do with our lives. It can be an adventure. See, it's exciting in the Christian life when you start to see lost people found, when you start to see sick people getting better. Why well, I'm struggling to contain myself when I'm watching Caitlin jump up and down up here. When you see addicts get clean and when you see the hurt get healed, it gets exciting. And then, you know what's really exciting is when you get to share those moments with your children. Jesus invites us to an exciting life that holds more promise and adventure than we can ever imagine. I'm going to watch this short video, then I'll dismiss it. One of the most captivating stories in the New Testament is... When Peter gets to walk on water, Jesus is walking on water. There's a huge storm going on. Jesus starts coming out to the boat. And Peter, being who Peter is, says, hey, I, w- I want to I do that. That makes sense. Let's, let's walk on water. And the rest of the disciples are in the middle of the storm, in the middle of a boat, smaller than this one. And they're going, what is Peter doing? What is Jesus doing? What is going on? This is crazy talk. And Peter gets to stand up and he looks at Jesus walking on a stormy water. Nothing like this. It would have been huge waves. And he somehow thinks that he can walk on water too because his master is walking on water. That Jesus is walking on water. And when I think about that, when I, when I think about the Christianity... I think about the life that I'm living in Christianity. Am I living kind of a life that can walk on water? Because what that is to me is an exciting kind of life. A life that trusts God so much that I could walk on water. That I really could do this. And if we're honest with ourselves, is Christianity even in the realm of that kind of exciting? Is exciting a word we even use when we talk about Christ? When we talk about Jesus? When we talk about this thing we do on Sunday morning, is it a lifestyle that is exciting? And so today, I guess the challenge is, the the idea is, is life with Jesus exciting? Because I know what I want to do. I know what I want, what my soul yearns for, is I want to walk on water. I want to take a step of faith and walk on water. So we're going to try that today. We're going to walk on water. What does it look like if we We took these steps and walked on water.